The Accounting Insider with Kim Nitschke. Welcome to another episode of Accounting Insider. I'm Andrew Montessi with Kim Nitschke. And Kim, today we're talking about the second biggest purchase that a lot of people will make, and that is a car. Now, I know you have some very interesting thoughts about buying a car. Can you just give us some initial thoughts about the purchase? Uh, yeah, so it's it's a necessary evil, but it's the biggest waste of money <laughs> out there. Um, you, you need to get around. I mean, it just adds so much value to your life when you've got a nice car to drive and get you from A to B. You can do so many more things when you don't have a car. You know, I, I know that people think that in an ideal world you could use Uber and things like that, but really, you know, sitting around waiting for people to pick you up is just not the way to go. So you've got to have a car, and then it's a case of which one you want to get. Now, there's a smart way of buying it, or there's a not-so-smart way of buying it. I want to tell you what I've learned from dealing with, you know, all my customers all over, over all the number of years on what I've learned on ways to protect your wealth. Yep and not burn too much dough on a car purchase. Can you start by telling us a little bit about how depreciation works? Yeah, okay, so when you buy a car, and I'm talking from a tax point of view, um, they let you not claim the full amount of the purchase of the car in the first year, but you can claim it over a number of years. And their mindset is that, well, the outlay that you've made is gonna be around for some time, so we don't wanna give you a tax deduction for the full amount up front. So in a nutshell, they let you depreciate it or claim a tax deduction for the full amount of the car basically over five years. Okay. Um, now, to move on, you've got five key points in terms of purchasing a car. Your first one is quite interesting, drive a bomb. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that. Well, again... Ideal world, no car. Next best, you know, can I swear? Yeah. Shitbox. <laughs> <laughs> it's your podcast, mate. You can say what you want. Now, you're probably aware that there is actually a shitbox rally. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we won't go down that track. But <laughs> if you can get away with it, um, I'm, I'm just thinking back to the days when I had my VL Commodore, um, Brown VL Commodore, F fabulous car. But uh, it used to leak quite a bit of oil. Mm. So when I'd park it in friends' driveways, they'd come out and say, oh, Kim, mate, can you just not park your car in our driveway? Just can you reverse it out and park it down the street or whatever? And then, so that was fine. Yeah, I could handle that. But when my girlfriend, who's now my wife's dad, started referring to it as the old bomb and... <laughs> Do you want me to follow you to work to make sure that you arrive <laughs> safely? <laughs> I thought, you know, that's probably the time is nigh to update, right? But that was the line in the sand where I thought, okay, I've, I, I really need to upgrade. You know, that was the point. That was a low point, but it was actually a positive point because I knew I'd got maximum bang for buck out of that <laughs> ass. <laughs> <laughs> just typical accountant, just <laughs> squeezing whatever you can out of it. So what I'm saying is grab, uh, drive your car into the ground, drive it ideally until everyone starts referring to it as the old bond. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about your personal brand though? Kim? Come on. Well, okay. Well, that's, 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 another, a, oh no, that's, yeah, a, that's a separate issue. issue. That's a whole new episode on branding and marketing. Yeah. But okay. from a f strictly financial point of view, the bomb is the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now, your second point is to buy a top car that will buy a car that will resell well. Yes. So Did I get that right? I mean, in life, basically, we're custodians, aren't we? So you want to just have your asset and then look after it as best you can, keep it maintained and running well, and then hand it on to the next bloke. And between buying and selling, you want to make sure that your dip in price is not going to be too great. So if you're going to buy a car, buy what everyone wants. And, you know, it's not that hard to type into Google what are the top reselling cars. So I did that this morning and found that the Toyota 4Runner is the number one car with the best resale value. After three years, you get 66% of the value back. Yeah, right. Number two is the Subaru WRX. get 65% back after three years. And number three is Subaru Forester. So Subaru's in there twice. So that says something about the brand. Japanese cars, Toyotas, number one, Subaru, number two. They're the brands that you should be looking at because they have got such a well-known, well-regarded brand that people are happy to pay quite a bit of money for them secondhand. So after three years, you're getting 59% of your original purchase price back for your Forester. You can't really do any better than that with any other brand. So if you're going to buy a car, think seriously about those couple of cars. Okay, good advice. And what's point three? Buy secondhand. Talk to me about that. Okay. So society says that when you're ready to buy a car, you go into the local Toyota dealer, the local Subaru dealer, whatever, and you sit down, you have a coffee with a salesman, and you walk the walk, and you walk around the showroom looking at all the beautiful new cars. My advice is don't get sucked in, Mm. (laughs) okay? Let someone else take the hit on the car and pick it up, two or three years old, secondhand. Right. It's a massive hit, isn't it? Yeah. As soon well, as you drive it out of the showroom, as Absolutely. As soon as you pull out, exactly right. It's dropping in value massively. And really, two or three years later, the car has exactly the same functionality. Um, right, reliability and everything's still there. It's just that... You've often still got the warranties as well. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you buy right, you get all of that. And I'm just saying, ideally, if you can, buy from secondhand from a pickles auction. Right? I know there's the people out there that say, oh, what if, I bu- what if I'm buying a lemon? Well, do you know anyone who's, bu- who's, who's driving a Toyota that refers to it as a lemon? Mm. It's highly unlikely. You know, there are brands out there which are lemons, but they're not going to show high on your reseller list. You mentioned auctions, and this is a, a question without notice, but mm. you have a very interesting story about uh, a little purchase that you, well, you... You're a bit of an auction regular, aren't you, in terms of purchasing I am, cars? yes. What are you, what are you, where are you, where's this going? No, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask about the story about how you bought a, um, a four-wheel drive from an auction and, and how you went about it. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, that is my Prado Kakadu that I drive. Yep. Yeah. Um, and basically, you got it at a, at a fraction of the cost... Yeah, I did. ...as to what anyone else would be able to buy it for, pretty I much. I did. Well, you know, this is the beauty of online, you know... As you know, I'm opportunistic. I'm always trying to think outside the square. This was a situation where the car was incorrectly advertised. So I was buying a top-of-the-range um, model, the Kakadu, which is pretty much twice the price of the baseline model. But because the boys at Pickles didn't take the time to walk out and inspect the car, 
you know, it might have been late on a Friday afternoon when they were listing all of the items for sale. They just listed it online as Kakadu. Because I'd done my research, I could tell by looking at the photos that it was the top of the range model. So when it went to auction, a lot of people in their search parameters were just searching for the Kakadu, which is the brand of the top, top model. So this one was just listed as the Kakadu. So it didn't come up in most people's searches online. So that was an opportunity for me to get in there and get it at the right price. So I got it at a fraction of the price, and lo and behold, it was the top of the range. Beautiful. Mm. Point four, insurance. What's your approach to insuring a car? Okay, well, as I've mentioned, I always try to um, not to pay too much for insurance. So my suggestion is it's that generally you your approach to anything. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to. It's one thing to make the money, but you've got to keep it in your pocket as best you can. My suggestion with the insurance situation is. If you want to back yourself as a driver, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> you want to go for third party fire and theft. Now that'll cover you if you go out to the car park and she's been stolen, you get your money back. Alternatively, it'll also cover you if you're driving down the car, sending a text and you crash into Ferrari. Right, mm. so you're covered. The thing that it doesn't cover you for is your own repair bills on your car. Now I consider myself to be a good driver. So I'm happy to take the risk and not have comprehensive insurance on my car. And so what if so what if you get cleaned up by someone else? Are you banking on the fact that the other person will be adequately I insured? Am. Okay, so it's the it's the <laughs> risk. That's right. I'm hoping that they've got the same sort of cover that I've got. Yeah, but you're well aware of the risks. Oh, absolutely. And there's a tremendous risk. But after you've you know, call it what you like, but I call it self-insurance. And I've been adopting this policy for, say, 20 years. Um, you come out miles in front. Because mm. most of us are just bleeding money to insurers anyway and will often not even get anything back. Exactly. And I'm sick of the fights that you have with insurance companies over payouts and dodgy insurances, in insurance repairers that they want to use with second-hand parts. Whereas if I do have a crash, I can take it to the best repairer get it repaired exactly um, the way that I want it repaired and pay for it, you know, use a pays basis rather than going into a pool and subsidising every other repair job out there. Okay, point five, keep a logbook. Yes, so this, I mean, I guess if you're listening to this podcast, there's a very good chance that you're in business. So the ATO rules are that if you want to claim a tax deduction, one of the rules is that you keep a logbook for 12 weeks showing your business purpose. Now, they've relaxed the rules on keeping logbooks nowadays and you can actually um, you can actually keep a spreadsheet, which is very easy because it works out your kilometres, you put in your starting point, your destination point, who the driver was, sign it off at the end of the you know the month or whatever when you print out the spreadsheet and everyone's happy. And I've, I've had um, logbooks audited by the ATO and they're completely okay with all of that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the tip is keep a logbook so you can claim something as a as a tax deduction when you go to lodge your tax return associated with your cost of running your car. Beautiful. Okay, so we've covered your your five points and let's just perhaps quickly recap. So number one, drive a bomb. <laughs> number two, buy a car that's a top reseller. Number three, buy second hand. Number four, <laughs> some people may not follow you on that, but <laughs> potentially take a risk in your insurance and go for, what is it, third party and fire and theft? That's it. 
And number five, keep a logbook. And to perhaps wind up this conversation, Kim, what's the future looking like in terms of cars? Okay, so the big game changer, I think, is Elon Musk with the Teslas coming out of Silicon Valley. He has gone online and said that in 2017, he's going to be releasing the Tesla 3. Up until now, Teslas have been exorbitantly expensive. Now, Teslas, if you don't understand, are the electric car. He's promised that in 2017, he's going to release a car, a car for the everyday family, the Tesla 3. It's going to have a price tag of 35000 US. It's going to be charged by the sun. Right, now, there's not solar panels on the roof of the car. <laughs> he's going to have effectively recharging stations from east to west in the US and he's guaranteeing for the life of the car you won't have to pay when you pull into those service stations or electronic restocking stations. It's a massive game changer, especially at that price point. You imagine it. You have zero running costs of the car forever, provided it doesn't break down and you don't have to replace the batteries, which just quietly is quite expensive. He's taken 370,000 deposits for the car uh, each at $1,000 as a deposit. Now, that is going to be a massive impact on the car industry in the US next year. It'll probably take a couple of years to filter through to us, but wow, I mean, you think of all of the whole motoring industry and the impact it's going to have when we're all driving electric cars. Let's just give it three to five years. Mm. It's going to be revolutionary for the whole industry. Well, the whole industry is under the pump. Mm. anyway um, so yeah it'll be interesting to see how things unfold in the next few years and what about um, 2018 is going to be a big year for you Kim you've got some plans got big plans in and I was actually sure that you were going to reveal this publicly I thought you were going to keep it as your little secret <laughs> but um, I think it's something that yeah it's a nice little um, gold nugget for the uh, accounting insider listeners I, I love this so as you're aware in 2018 they're changing the importation laws regarding cars. From 2018, and this is yet to be approved by Parliament, but basically, in a nutshell, you can import a car from Japan and the, or the UK. They've specifically identified those two cu- countries with le- less than 12 months old with less than 500 kilometres on the clock as a personal import. You, d- you can bypass the local dealer. So what that means, it's a massive, massive win for your car lovers. At the moment, a Porsche 911 is going to set you back about 270 grand. In 2018, you'll be able to pick one up out of the UK for 60,000 pounds, which equates to about less than 130,000, but allowing for a freight and things like that. 130,000, you're going to have the latest Porsche 911, and just quietly have done the research, <laughs> they're all going turbo. Oh, jeez. <laughs> right, so you're going to have a little pocket rocket for 130000 and you're only allowed to do one car every two years, but what a game changer. Half the price of what you're paying at the moment for a better car. Does, everyone, does everyone know this, or is this sort of well, slid under the radar I've a little bit? quietly putting the word out. <laughs> I mentioned it to one of my biggest customers the other day, and he actually had asked me two weeks ago, Kim, um, he said, Alex needs a 911. What are your thoughts? And I said, go for it. And then I told him about this and he said, after Alex had been in the meeting and left the room, he said, Kim, 
just grab one for Alex. Let me know when you need the money. <laughs> so, so at the moment I've got three orders and it's slowly building. But Are you going to take a little sneaky clip on all of these? Well, Surely. I don't think so. I think it's just going to be a hell of a ride. It's going to be so much fun. Porsche broker. Well, you imagine it. It's going to be potentially free motoring. You'll be able to drive your dream car, sell it for what you paid for it after a couple of years or more, depending on what's happening in the industry, and have a hell of a time in the meantime. Yeah, it's amazing. It's incredible. I guess the, the interesting factor about this chat, Kim, is you're talking about driving a bomb and all that sort of stuff, and you've got a Porsche, <laughs> and you're talking about importing Porsches. Yeah. So ultimately what you're saying is, from a financial perspective, it's the, the five points is the best way to um, keep things lean and to avoid the exorbitant costs and the losses that are normally associated with the car. But having said that, if you love your cars, you're going to do it anyway. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, hey, look, I'm a great believer in driving the bomb and all of that. But there comes a point where, for image purposes, you need to deviate away from that. The rules all still apply. However, you just ramp it up a few notches. Right. Now, when you come to a point where you are travelling along nicely and you've got a few pennies in the bank, whatever, you're doing all right on your property side of, side of things, then you're allowed to have a few treats. Hmm. Right. And if you can buy a car, and this is the classic accounting model, and it costs you nothing, why wouldn't you? Hmm. You know? That's just some gold for the listeners out there. <laughs> so on that note, uh, make sure you sign up for the Accounting Insider newsletter and connect with us at accountinginsider.net. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Accounting Insider Podcast with Kim Nitschke. 